Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the twisted story of Monique Berkeley. Monique had a flair for the dramatic. She was an actress and saw herself as playing a role rather than living a life. Her devoted husband, Paul. Paul and Monique had a very passionate relationship. And her teenage lover, Andrew. He was showing Monique a lot of attention, and I think she was very receptive to his advances. It's a story about a secret double life. She's left in a situation where she has a chance to kind of remake herself. The lust-fueled affair. This is forbidden in any way you look at it. There was nowhere healthy for this relationship to go. That explodes in violent murder. Beware, extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. It's the spring of 2003 in the sleepy North Carolina suburb of Clayton. Clayton is the kind of place where people go to retire, you know, when they're looking for that small town, slower pace of life kind of community. Paul Berkeley and his family have just relocated to the area from California. Paul was a, a computer programmer by trade and had gotten a job in North Carolina and decided to move his family to Clayton because it's such a nice place. Paul Berkeley was slim, carried himself well, very enthusiastic, witty, always willing to help other people, always dressed nicely, um, clean-cut young man, just a great guy. 46-year-old Paul met 26-year-old Monique three years ago, and the couple quickly married despite the 20-year age gap. Opposites attract. Paul is older, he's more mature, more responsible, and maybe already has a lifestyle that Monique wants for herself that at her age hasn't been able to achieve quite yet. 
the appeal of the striking brunette is there for all to see. Monique was pretty. She was a very attractive young lady. She was a fun-loving person. She seemed to be someone who liked to have a lifestyle that was maybe a little more interesting, perhaps, than what Clayton may have had to offer. Paul has two teenage kids from a previous marriage. But despite only being a few years older than her stepchildren, Monique has made sure that they all feel like a family. Monique took an immediate liking to his children, which I'm sure Paul found very attractive. Family life is falling happily into place for Paul and Monique. And life behind the closed doors of their new home is just as rosy. Monique and Paul seem to be um, a normal, happy couple when they first moved to North Carolina. I'm sure it was all still sort of fresh and new to them, and that's always a time when relationships bloom. Their passion in the bedroom is very real. What Paul was finding with Monique was almost a fountain of youth. By being with a younger woman, he felt vital and appreciated and younger than his real age. And Monique definitely responded to Paul. But Paul's loyalty to his country is about to bring his marital bliss to a screeching halt. Having served in the military as a young man, Paul is still active in the Naval Reserves. Towards the end of 2004, Paul gets a letter in the mail. It's a moment he's been mentally preparing for for the past three years. Paul was called to the Middle East, to Bahrain, to active duty. Paul embraces this call to serve, not knowing it's destined to come at a very steep price. Paul was proud to serve the country. He made reference to the sense of responsibility, a sense of honor in doing something like that for the country. I'm sure like anyone who's serving overseas, there's the joy of serving the country and taking on such a huge responsibility, but also knowing that at the same time, you're sacrificing that time with your family, in Paul's case, with his wife and his children. When Monique and the kids find out, they're shocked and worried. The so kids, like any kids, were very upset about the prospect of their dad being away for so long. But Paul had the utmost faith and confidence that Monique was going to be taking very good care of his children. In January 2005, Paul says goodbye to Monique. He could be away for up to two years. She's terrified at the impact his departure will have on the family and how she'll handle the responsibilities and pressures in his absence. He played a, a strong role in the family as the provider and the decision maker. And so I, I think Monique in particular was nervous about um, him being gone. She was very afraid. She had not been on her own. She had to do things on her own and, and take care of the children. Little does Paul know that the pledge he gave his country will undermine the vows he made to his wife. When Monique married Paul in her early 20s, she had never really had an identity unto herself. She defined herself now through her marriage, her relationship with Paul, and when he's dispatched to the Middle East, she's adrift. By March 2005, over a month has passed since Paul's deployment, and there's been a noticeable change in the Berkeley home. With the head of the household gone, the routines and discipline he demanded have disappeared. Monique is a great stepmother to Paul's teenagers, but she's very close in age to them, so she takes on the role, perhaps, of the older sister or the fun babysitter. The general atmosphere at the Berkeley house was, was a place where there weren't a whole lot of rules. 
It was a place where the teenagers could come and, and pretty much do what they wanted. At first, Monique is overwhelmed, but driven by feelings of loneliness since her husband's departure, she makes a fateful decision and joins in the teenage fun. Maybe she felt there was no one her own age, you know, where she could find this kind of outlet that for the life she was looking for, it had to be found with high school students. By following the lead of her own stepchildren and their friends, Monique tries to recapture her own carefree youth. She's left in a situation where she has a chance to kind of remake herself and, and decide who she's going to be. And, and she turns to this group of teenagers. For whatever reason, for Monique, these teenagers, these people in high school, were friends, were peers, were people with whom she could and should socialize. Soon, the word spreads around town that the Berkeley home is the place to be. And as destiny would have it, the news reaches a teenager named Andrew Canty. Andrew is an 18-year-old young man. He looked very adult, I thought. You know, when you usually see 18-year-olds, they have that young, growing person look on them. But I thought he looked very manly at that age. Andrew comes from a very different background from Monique and her stepchildren. I don't know that he was a particularly good student. I think he had dropped out, although I think he was intelligent. But I don't think he was very focused on being a student. And his bad boy reputation has made things difficult for him at home. Andrew Canty had moved to North Carolina from New York a few years before. And there had been increasing tension between he and his mother during that time. As things became uncomfortable at his own home, or he didn't like the rules that were being imposed there, he began to spend more and more time at the Berkeley House. For this teenage rebel, the anything-goes policy at the Berkeley home is a dream come true. And it certainly doesn't hurt that the lady of the house is the young and attractive Monique, who finds herself drawn to the troubled drifter. I think for, for Monique, this was someone um, very different from her husband. Andrew Canty was young. Um, he was African-American. He represented basically a, a different lifestyle than, than sh what she had been living. That was an attraction for her as she sought to make her life over. For Andrew, the idea of anything happening with a lonely housewife is the stuff of teen fantasy. Little does he know, it's about to become a reality. Monique knows all about Andrew's rocky home situation with his mother. And so, in April 2005, she offers him a thrilling and dangerous alternative. Andrew was coming around to the point that finally Monique invited him to actually move in with her and the kids. But Monique isn't just giving him a place to crash. It soon becomes obvious she's offering him a whole lot more. I would imagine that given that Monique and Andrew spent so much time together, that it's one of those things that evolved. Later that spring, Monique leads Andrew upstairs. Up until today, they've only flirted. Now Monique is ready to do more than talk. In the house she shares with her husband and two stepchildren, Monique draws Andrew in for a first passionate kiss. Her attraction for this young man truly catches them both by surprise. 
It's chemistry. She can't deny it. She wasn't looking for it, but it's instant. It's hard hitting like a brick in the face. This is forbidden in any way you look at it. Monique is married. That's huge. This child is so much younger than she is. They shouldn't even be in the same social circle. All kinds of red flags surrounded this relationship. There was nowhere healthy for this relationship to go. It's a kiss that will spark a blazing passion. Forbidden love is always more fun. And take them to a violent place of no return. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Monique Berkeley's husband, Paul, is overseas serving his country as a naval reservist. But the 26-year-old housewife isn't sitting around missing her man and waiting for his return. Instead, she's developed a dangerous attraction to 18-year-old Andrew Canty. By the summer of 2005, Andrew is comfortably living in the Berkeley home. At this point, all he and Monique have done is kiss, but he's obsessed with a sexy older woman. Even though Monique is about eight years older than Andrew, he kind of likes the idea of falling in love with an older woman, and probably enjoys the idea that he could be the knight in shining armor that Monique falls in love with next. But there's at least one fly in the ointment. 
word has gotten back to Andrew's mom, and she strongly disapproves of him moving in with Monique. From what I understand, Andrew had told her, I'm an adult, I'm going to do what I want, and for whatever reason, Andrew's mother couldn't stop it, couldn't get in the way of this. And she's about to be given even greater cause for concern. One day that summer, Monique leads Andrew into the bedroom she normally shares with her husband, Paul, to have sex with her young lover for the first time. At some point, it crossed the line from friendship to something more. There were already boundaries crossed anyway, so it would be easier to make that transition from, hey, you're my friend's stepmother, to, hey, now we're in a relationship together, even though you're married. And Andrew's not the only one who's crossed the line into uncharted territory. Monique is experiencing physical, sexual, emotional, psychological gratification like she's never experienced it before in her life. And this makes her engage in very high-risk behaviors. She's not thinking at all. She's just feeling. For the lonely housewife and the teenage boy, it's a white-hot fantasy come to life. She's a married woman making love to him in her husband's home. That really had to give them an adrenaline rush, something they had never experienced before. Forbidden love is always more fun. Halfway around the world, Monique's husband, Paul, is completely unaware of the young man now living in his house and sleeping with his wife. The whole time Petty Officer Berkeley was together with me in Bahrain, he was never down. He was always enthusiastic. I never detected any sort of change in his demeanor, never detected any change in his um, conversations. He sounded like uh, everything was fine. Confident that her husband is in the dark about what's going on, throughout the fall of 2005, Monique gets bolder and starts taking even bigger risks. I think the relationship between Monique and Andrew was sort of an open secret. Her stepdaughter knew about it, and people in the neighborhood knew as well that some teenager was living in the home. Monique is playing a very high-stakes game, and it's about to come crashing down around her. At the beginning of December 2005, Monique gets a surprise web call from her husband. He's been given leave to visit his family. I think Paul was very ecstatic to find out he would be returning to the United States. He's excited, looking forward to spending the holidays with his family. Paul Berkeley will be back in North Carolina in 15 days' time. He's been gone for a year, and he has no idea how much things have changed in his home. Monique knew what Paul would be walking into when he came home. I'm sure from her perspective, that was a moment of panic because she has to figure out, what do I do now? In the 12 months Paul has been away, Monique hasn't just been sleeping with Andrew. She's deeply involved emotionally. She had really fallen in love with him. Now she finds herself in an impossible position. She has two men in her life, and both believe they're in a committed relationship with her. As the clock ticks down on Paul's homecoming, Monique and Andrew struggle with their feelings. Before Paul actually arrives back home for the holidays in December of 2005, 
There is a, a discussion between Monique Berkeley and Andrew Canty about what they're going to do. Paul's homecoming really puts their backs against the wall. They have to make decisions, but what this really does is ignite their passion even further. Monique and Andrew are whipping up a cauldron of sex and lies, and it's about to reach a boiling point. Monique's not ready to stop seeing Andrew, but isn't willing to tell Paul about him. She asks Paul's kids, Becky and Zeke, for help. They were close to Monique, and they wanted her to be happy, but they knew that this was a situation that was not going to turn out well. She begs them to promise not to tell their father anything. They know the ramifications of this information getting out, what it's going to do to her dad, and what it's going to do to the family. And despite their flesh and blood connection, Paul's children come to an unexpected decision. Becky and Zeke see Andrew and Monique as part of their peer group. That classic teenage loyalty of never rat anyone out. It's a cultural understanding that you don't tell on your friends. That trumps the loyalty that Becky and Zeke may have felt. They agreed to keep it a secret. On December 14th, 2005, Monique Berkeley goes to the airport to pick up her husband, whom she hasn't seen in almost a year. By all accounts, Paul was terribly excited about the prospect of returning home. Uh, even though it was going to be a short visit, uh, he'd been speaking with Monique, speaking with the children. Everybody seemed excited, as anybody would be returning from overseas. But what Paul doesn't know is that at that very moment, there's another man in his house. Andrew was in a hurry to get all of his belongings out of the house before Paul had a chance to get from the airport home. And interestingly enough, he was doing it the day that Paul was flying into uh, Raleigh-Durham Airport. Andrew makes it out just in time, and Paul arrives home unaware of all that has happened since he's been gone. At first, it's a happy holiday reunion for the Berkeleys. Paul's homecoming is a cause for genuine celebration in the family. When he steps off that plane and his children embrace him, no doubt Monique feels a real tug at her heartstrings. Monique is undoubtedly conflicted. She's in love with Andrew, but now she's remembering Paul, the husband that she loved who went away to serve his country. She was happy, the children were happy to see their father come back home, as any family would be. But that happiness is short-lived. Later that day, Paul and Monique are going about their domestic routines when they get a visitor. The young man standing at the front door is here to see Monique. And the Berkeley's brief spell of domestic peace is about to be shattered forever. Monique Berkeley has been cheating on her husband, Paul, with a teenage boy named Andrew Canty. Now, Navy reservist Paul is back, and Monique's secret life is on the verge of exposure. When Andrew drops in on the Berkeleys out of the blue, Paul senses something isn't right. He noticed chemistry between Andrew and Monique. I'm sure there was something there that was visible. Monique and Andrew couldn't pretend that they were strangers. There's a level of comfort there. 
that had to be visible to anyone who saw them together. The teen's unexpected visit is confusing for Paul, but it's so bold, he doesn't put two and two together. People having affairs very often will test the waters and try to defy logic. It's called a contraindicator. They do the exact opposite of what somebody would expect to try to prove them wrong. Andrew showing up at Paul's house defies logic. But the seeds of doubt have been planted in Paul's mind, and they're about to be given good reason to flourish. The next day, the mood in the Berkeley house darkens even further. When Monique returns home after a day out with Andrew. Monique had gone to a, a funeral for um, someone that was close to Andrew, and, and Paul was upset about that. Paul can't comprehend why his wife would want to spend time with a friend of his kids. He had limited time at home, and here she was going off to this um, function with Andrew. That was a source of some annoyment and concern for Paul, and probably heightened the suspicions. Monique reassures Paul he has nothing to worry about. She and Andrew are only friends. But Paul's mind races to conclusions about what may be happening behind his back. I believe that he had some insight that something may have taken place between Monique and Andrew. I don't think he had gotten those feelings confirmed or his suspicions confirmed, but it was something that he was concerned about. He can't really even understand the emotions that are boiling up inside of him because this is unthinkable. He finds himself extremely angry. He really wonders what's going on in her life, but when he confronts her, she's got an answer for everything. Monique's stone-faced denial makes Paul question whether he has misread the situation and overreacted. Returning from a very long deployment, there is some tension and some uh, distance. So if you told me that there was two or three days of distance or iciness, it wouldn't strike me as being as completely unusual. Paul was cognizant of the fact that it might take Monique some time to get used to him being back in the home. And Paul isn't the only one struggling to adjust to being back. Now that the Navy reservist is home, Andrew is once again living with his mom. And it's an unpleasant change from life with his lover. For Andrew, I think that Monique, in, in some respects, um, provided a, a safe haven. Unable to see Monique, Andrew turns to his best friend, Latuan. Latuan Johnson was the boyfriend of Monique's stepdaughter, also a teenager at the same high school. Latuan had brought Andrew to the parties at the Berkeley house, and he knows all about his friend's relationship with the older woman. Andrew. He's really pondering, what's going on while I'm away from the Berkeley household? Is Monique back in that matrimonial bed? Is she going to reunite with her husband and toss me away? Is this just a fling to her? And this insecurity can make him very unstable. Back at the Berkeley house, it seems like Andrew's fears aren't far off base. On December 17th, 2005, Monique pulls a 180 and offers her husband an olive branch. Monique had been somewhat distant. He was glad to see that she was coming around. She proposes a romantic plan to get things back on track. She wants to take a, a date with him and go to a movie, and even suggests they get a picnic. 
and go to the park afterwards, maybe for a midnight tryst. I believe that Petty Officer Berkeley would have been very enthusiastic about Monique planning the date. To me, that would seem to indicate a desire to return to the pre-deployment normal intimacy and that uh, he would look forward to that. There's the wife he's been missing. There's the young, hot woman who really is in love with him. Paul happily agrees to the date. From Paul's perspective, he may have hoped that night would signal a turning point in their relationship, perhaps get them back on track. But does Paul know more than he's letting on? And is he really prepared to forgive and forget? That evening, after watching a movie, Monique and Paul Berkeley stroll into the park for a moonlight picnic. Monique prepared a, a basket that contained candy and candles and wine. They are the picture of a couple in love until a split second of violence destroys their love forever. Monique Berkeley is locked in an illicit affair with one of her stepchildren's friends, Andrew. But just as her husband Paul is about to discover what's been going on behind his back, tragedy strikes. Police respond to the panicked emergency call, but have a hard time locating the wounded caller. They ask her to, to yell out so that they can determine where she's located. Are you in the back of the park, in the front of the park? Where the back are you? In the back. You gotta get as loud as you can. Okay. When the police get to her, they see that there are two people that have been wounded as a result of a, a gunshot. And they discovered Monique and Paul. Monique had been shot in the left shoulder. Paul had been shot in the head. We'd later find out that he'd also been stabbed. There's a large pool of dark red blood around Paul's body, but he's still breathing. He's teetering on death's door and pretty graphic, bad situation. Monique is also bleeding heavily from the wound in her shoulder. According to her, the couple had been ambushed by two men. Monique gave some brief information about what had happened, uh, that she had heard some voices. She believed that it was two individuals and that Paul had been shot, and then she had quickly been shot thereafter. Police can find no sign of the assailants. To the police, it looks like random robbery. Someone sees a couple at night. It's dark. They're in a secluded area. Let's attack. The couple is rushed to the hospital, where, hours later, Paul dies. With his death, the park attack officially becomes a murder investigation. At that point, my team, the homicide team, was contacted, and we responded to initiate the follow-up investigation. At first glance, the evidence at the scene supports Monique's story that their romantic evening was hijacked by violence. 
There is a, a basket of items which include condoms and candy and candles, champagne that has fallen on the ground and the contents spilled out. But the picnic scenario seems increasingly suspicious to investigators. The one thing, though, that concerned us was actually the weather. I mean, it was extremely cold outside, and we began very quickly talking about how odd it was for a couple to come to a park like that when the weather conditions were the way they were. Detectives want to find out why Paul and Monique were in the park so late at night. The next morning, they decide to pay Paul's grieving widow a visit in the hospital, where she is recovering from her gunshot wound. Monique's initial story to the police at the hospital was that she and her husband had gone to see this movie and then had gone to the park for a romantic encounter. The cops asked Monique if anyone else knew she and Paul were planning to be in the park that evening. Monique admits there is one person who is aware of her plans, and he had good reason to be unhappy about them. During the interview, as we were gathering background information on Monique and on Paul, Monique admitted to us that she had been involved in an affair. Monique there at the hospital relates that she's having an affair with Andrew Canty. Monique says the affair is nothing serious, but it seems like she's holding back. She indicated that she wanted to tell me more information, but needed some additional time to, to think about it. So we decided at that point to give her some time, and we left the hospital to return to the police station so that we can continue with the investigation. The detectives immediately start digging for information on Andrew. They were looking at the pattern of phone calls back and forth from Monique to Andrew and suspected that there was something there more than just a, a casual relationship, given the timing of some of those calls. But cops are stunned by how serious the illicit relationship had become. As we began gathering additional background information, we learned Andrew Canty had been living with her and her family. This information cast doubt over Monique's claim that it was just a casual fling and reveals a potential love triangle, which would give Andrew a strong motive for wanting the lover who jilted him and her husband dead. It rose to the top of the list in terms of suspects. On the afternoon of Sunday, December 18th, 2005, investigators bring Andrew Canty down to the police station to answer questions about his affair with Monique. He was confirming some of the, the information that Monique had told us about their relationship. But he denies any involvement in Paul's murder. And he claims he can prove it. When the police initially questioned Andrew, he seemed confident he had an alibi for where he was. Andrew says that on the night of the murder, he was over 80 miles away in Greenville with his best friend, Latuan. Latuan Johnson worked at, at Walmart. Andrew Canty had come and picked him up. They went into the Walmart, bought a drink, spoke with some employees there, and then left. The whole exchange is recorded on the store's cameras, giving Andrew an alibi. Police look into the background of Andrew's friend, Latuan. On closer inspection, he doesn't seem a likely person to be mixed up in something like this. Latuan Johnson was a good student. He was in ROTC in high school. 
and went off to college at East Carolina University and held down a part-time job. He denies being involved, but as police are questioning him, incriminating new information comes to light. A detailed tracking analysis of the boys' cell phone records reveals that they weren't in Greenville for the whole evening like they claimed in their alibi. The young men had obviously concocted a story. They had tried to establish an alibi in North Carolina. They purposely went there so that they could get on videotape knowing that we would review it. But we were able to pretty quickly refute their alibi. Key phone calls put the boys in Raleigh right before the murder took place. We actually learned that while Monique and Paul were in the movie theater, the young men were close by as well. Faced with this new evidence, Latuan quickly changes his story. Latuan almost immediately asked for an attorney. Now he's ready to talk, and he'll finally reveal what really happened that deadly night in the park. Paul Berkeley has been murdered, and his wife's lover, Andrew, stands accused. Andrew admits to the affair, but not the crime. And with no proof, police can't be certain he's guilty. Now Andrew's friend, Latuan, is ready to spill the beans about the attack on Paul and Monique Berkeley. Latuan tells police that he and Andrew attacked the Berkeleys in the park, but he wants to make it clear that he didn't pull the trigger. He talked uh, much more than Andrew did. Um, he was more forthcoming about it, and he was anxious. To, he was not saddled with being the shooter. Ultimately, we were able to, to conduct follow-up interviews, and Latuan Johnson indicated to us at that point that, that Andrew had carried out the actual shooting. Police take Latuan's damning allegation back to Andrew. Andrew tries to explain his presence near the park, but in doing so, only incriminates himself. Andrew made some statements, and although he never outright confessed to the crime, some of his statements uh, were very suspicious in nature. When he answers investigators' questions, Andrew includes details that only someone who was at the crime scene would know. Combined with Latuan's claim, plus the cell phone records, police decide they have enough evidence to make their move. We had developed sufficient probable cause to make an arrest. We did charge both young men with murder, and this is happening almost simultaneously. Detectives share the news of Andrew and Latuan's arrest with Monique. We make the decision to return back out to the hospital to continue our conversation with Monique. Last time cops were there, they felt like she had something more she wanted to say. And now, after hearing about Andrew, in a bid to explain away the situation, she decides it's time to speak. What she says will blow up everything the cops know so far about this twisted case. We found out that Paul had $400,000 in life insurance through a government life insurance policy. She admitted to engaging in a plot with both Andrew and Latuan to kill Paul at the park so that they could cash in his policy. But Monique says she never really wanted Paul dead, and it was Andrew who was the driving force. She did try to mitigate her situation by saying that she had changed her mind shortly before the plot was to be carried out. But that couldn't be the case, because she could have easily opted to bypass the park that night. 
but she did. In an effort to incriminate Andrew, Monique goes on to reveal every sordid detail of the murder plot. Before Paul actually arrives back, back home for the holidays in December of 2005, there is a, a discussion between uh, Monique Berkeley and Andrew Canty about killing Paul Berkeley. Monique says that when Andrew hears about Paul's life insurance policy, he realizes they really could have a future together. The idea of murder becomes irresistible. Monique in her mid-20s and Andrew at 18, they didn't have careers. They really had no means of making it on their own. Monique couldn't make it without Paul. Andrew couldn't make it without Monique. That $400,000 life insurance policy was going to be the glue that could hold them together. The truth is, she never would have killed Paul without that affair. But that affair was more than Andrew. It was about her experiencing something that she never had felt in her life. It clouded her logic. And at the time she decided to conspire to kill Paul, she just was thinking, I want to feel this way forever. According to Monique, Andrew turned to his best friend, Latoine, for help. And together, the three of them figured out a plan. Monique had planned an entire romantic evening for Paul that included a movie. Following the movie, they were going to uh, go to a, a local park. Monique lures Paul in with promises of rekindling their romance. And despite the cold weather that night, Paul agrees. Paul didn't have any idea, obviously, that uh, this would be the last moment on Earth. I think Paul, while he was probably concerned about the weather, he was more concerned about making Monique happy and making sure that her plans for a nice evening together came to fruition. And at that moment, Paul's fate is sealed. They start making their way through the park to the prearranged area where Monique and Andrew had agreed that this would take place. Monique says she and Paul are the only ones around, but that's not the case for long. Once they get to this area, Andrew comes out behind Paul and shoots Paul. Paul falls wounded in the head. There's still one crucial thing that needs to be done to sell their story to the police. Seconds later, Andrew shoots Monique and Andrew and Latoine then flee. All that's left for Monique to do is raise the alarm. Monique's damning confession is the final evidence the cops need. And on September 26, 2007, she appears in court on charges she murdered her husband. The prosecution's case is that once Monique tasted a life with Andrew, going back to Paul wasn't an option, and neither was a divorce. Monique Berkeley was very concerned that if she were to divorce Paul, that she would not ever get to see the children again. I think she saw her husband as an obstacle to the relationship and the lifestyle that she wanted to have. And Andrew is happy to go along with whatever Monique wants. I think for Andrew, the motive may have been the money, immaturity, and being with Monique. 
for as long as that was going to last. But what prosecutors can't fathom is why Latuan got involved. That's a curious one. He had so much going for him that he didn't have to walk down this path. I don't know whether it was peer pressure. I don't know whether if it was the thought of all the money, but something made him say yes. Faced with a death penalty, Monique accepts a deal to plead guilty and gets a life sentence. Paul Berkeley's murder is horrific because it's so unnecessary. It, it is a case where had they gone the route of divorce, Becky and Zeke would, would have their father, that Paul's family would, would have their brother. It's horrific because it's senseless. Paul should be remembered as a, as a great man, a, a good family man, a, a fine father. He was a, a great sailor and a, and a good American. 